Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to After Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no substitute. Hello dear listeners, welcome to a very special impromptu edition of Akdung Millwall. I was contacted via Twitter by one of our listeners and also a big welcome to him now because we put together a call pretty much on, on the spot. It's John Rankin, welcome to the show John. Yeah, hi you Nick and, and thanks ever so much for having me on. This uh, this means a lot more to me than it probably will to your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> a big welcome to you, mate. We just had the most fantastic conversation before I recorded, listeners, about um, the old days of Millwall, John. I mean, you, you go back to, like myself, actually, 71, 72, I think you said, as your your first yeah. game. What was your first game? What Which one was it in that season? I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, it's such a long time ago, I think I was eight or nine. Right, I was younger than me, yeah. Yeah, I, I I can't fully remember, but it would have been with my dad, who was also John Rankin, um, and it would have been in the old stands, which yeah. is now of the Barry Kitchener stand. Yeah. And, um, the big thing about the 71, 72 season was I was very young, so I was like six or seven. Hmm. And I remember my dad and my uncle um, cracking open a bottle of scotch. <laughs> uh, in anticipation, because I, I think it was Bob, Big Bob Latchford who, who crushed our dreams. <laughs> I've only ever seen my dad and my uncle crack open a bottle of teachers once when they thought they had 21 and a half points on the football balls. <laughs> they miscalculated it and uh, got it wrong. Watch <laughs> <laughs> back in the bottle. And the second was 71 72. And, you know, my first kind of experience of Millwall was with my father um, and that was sort of 73, 74. I remember the Palace match that we were looking at and obviously the big, you know, the big players then. I mean, yeah. we had the sports, you know, we had we had Kitch and, and uh, but there were players like, I don't know if Tony Hazel was around then and, and Dave Donaldson and Terry Brisley, Phil Summerhill, uh, Chris McGrath came later, this is sort of and John Seisman. Because, you know, um, they were probably a bit later. But Golden Hill was the standout. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And at the time, it was the same. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things don't change with Millwall. Because um, at the time, the problem was that as soon as anyone was any good, Frank Purser, <laughs> down Kent Road, would flog them off. <laughs> some of the lads would go down the old Kent Road, put his windows through, 
<laughs> and, uh, and paying back that way. But my real connection with Millwall was, as I said sort of before we started, I, I went to school at Monson Road Primary School. Next door to the old ground, yeah. Next door to the old den. And we used to play our football against other South London schools up on Blackheath on a Saturday morning. And those right. were the days when I used to jump on a 53 bus outside the flats in New Cross, pay two pence, get off at Blackheath on my own. You know, this is age... How old? I was going to say, how old were you? Yeah, 10 years old. Yeah. I walk across to the changing rooms, which are still there, um, get changed, run out, get beat, uh, nil six or something, you know, uh, yeah. or maybe get the odd victory. And uh, jump on the bus home, and that was it. That was Saturdays, you know, then down the den. Um, so Saturday morning was footy, and then down the den with my dad. And, yeah, it was a marvellous, marvellous life, really, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, a marvellous life, you know. Yeah, it's funny, because you're saying that, actually, it's coincidental. I was, um, this morning, I thought I'd, I'd try and write some bits and pieces uh, just for myself. And my experience of going to the den in 72 um, I was further out, we're in Mottingham, so I further out in the suburbs. But that same experience of at the age of, I think I was, I think I was eleven when I first went to the game. Uh, but just it was a bunch of me and my mates, you know, eleven years old, no adult supervision, John. You know, no. Um, we went and jumped on a train from Elmstead Woods all the way up to New Cross, walked through what seemed to me to be like um, you were still in touch with the Blitz around there. There was old, the old Victorian streets where the park is, you know. No, Lewisham Borough Council used to call them adventure playgrounds. <laughs> and, you know, I spent my childhood, there was one at the top of Kendra Street, and literally there were lumps of wood with six-inch nails hanging out, fires going, tyres on fires and ropes, and we were swinging around, and they were adventure playgrounds. In later <laughs> life, what I found out was they were old bomb sites. Well, they were, <laughs> they were. I, I used to be fascinated um, we walked past, um, it, there is the park now, I think it's called Fordham Park now, but it once was um, yeah. a, a series of Victorian built streets, obviously affected by the wartime. Yeah. And I was always fascinated by, there's like a, a chalked message, gas off, gas off. I thought, why would you turn the gas off? Well, of course, it was to stop homeless people moving in there, wasn't it? That's why. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was whole streets of this. And... Mm. Um, but the point being, your 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 bus ride to Blackheath on the fifty three, you know, it was just a very different attitude of parenting back then. You wouldn't dream of letting your kids go off now like that, John. You wouldn't. But having said that, and I'll share this with you, I, one thing, um, you know, it's not a great subject, this, right? But one mm. thing sticks in my memory from those days. Mm. So we used to all make our way up to Blackheath. Teacher would be there. Mr. Bowen or Mr. Jeffries or, you know, one of the school teachers. And we'd, we'd play our football match. And then there was a little sort of tea hut thing. We'd, if, you know, might, might get a Mars bar and a glass and a, and a can of Coke. Whatever, to, yeah, yeah. I used to cross the road and ca catch the 53 bus home mm -hmm. um, after the match. And I do remember, you know, things don't change. And I think we've moved on in safeguarding and looking after kids now. I really do. Because, you know, rose-tinted spectacles are a bit dangerous. Because I think I you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I remember standing at that bus stop and a guy pulled up in a car on his own. On Blackheath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, instinctively, I remember mum and dad telling me, you don't take this off strangers. And I went, no, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. You know. And, mm. off he went, you know. and 
you know, it, that that's the thing in where I come from. I, I grew up on it. Our estate didn't have a name. I lived next door to the Crown and Anchor pub, and it was two high-rise buildings and then maisonettes, sort of low flats, and you'd walk down Avenue Road and pick your way, Hunsden Road, Coldblow Lane. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, funny old stuff going on in those days, areas of deprivation and all that kind of stuff. But So you, you grew up in Mottingham, Nick. Yeah. So what your, how did you get connected with Millwall? Because there might be a, a chance of saying that maybe Palace were geographically... Well, for me, Cholton, Cholton were the closest um, Chol- club to where, where we yeah. lived. It was, it was by far the easiest journey. Um, and your point about the darkness of those times is very real because um, I think any any child, because we were given such freedom, um, yeah. I, I think attitudes towards parenting were very, very different then. Um, yeah. I, I think there's many reasons for that, and this is probably not the show to go into that side of it. But no, veering off at a... <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is the show. We, we veer off at tangents here, John. Why not? Why not? That's why people listen in. I, I, I think it has a lot to do, if we're going to go down that road, I think it has a lot to do with parents then, particularly working-class parents, but possibly other classes too, They'd had a dislocated child. My dad had had a dislocated childhood himself through the wartime. He'd been evacuated. He wasn't. There was there was a sense that you lived and um, made your way on your own wits. Um, we would get our bus to school quite regularly at the age of twelve, which is a worse. Not terribly far, but far enough to be disappeared from home. Um, but I think it was just seen, and we would go out probably the same yourself. You go out playing. You know, you go out all day. Um, which you wouldn't do now, and you wouldn't dream of doing it, and you'd actually regard yourself as being negligent for for for, for tolerating it. But back then, I'm kind of glad, and I'm kind of shocked in equal measure that that was our probably you know you and I are talking now, but I think we're probably going to share this with a lot of people listening that that was childhood then, wasn't it? Um, for better or for worse. But there is a regrettable downside to that freedom. There was um, a young kid nicked off our estate. Uh, uh, I think his name is Barry Evans, and I knew him. Right. They, found, they found him in a field. I hate to cheer this for listeners. But it was this, is re- this is really cheering people up now, isn't it? <laughs> it, got, it, it yeah, I know. I, I got, but, you know, but there was a, there, there, there is a... Yeah, no, there's another uh, side to it. I agree. He got, he, you know, he, he, he was he was abducted and uh, mm. all those. But it's very interesting because culturally, it's very interesting what you're saying here because there was... Millwall was essentially a working class club, and um, I, I still sort of you, you can spot when you go to the, the den today. I saw at the new den when mm. you go, you can spot the people who are coming on a bit of a jolly up, you know, from the city or the, the middle class. I welcome it, you know, I think it's great. Yeah, but you, you can spot them, they're kind of the, the way they behave. But in our day, you know, Millwall was a part of the community in that. I used to go to matches originally with my dad on a Saturday and I'd see my school teacher there yeah. um, and say hello. Hello, sir. And, you know, I'd see uncles and, 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 you know, members of my extended family. And it was very much a clan. So mm. I'm pleased you became a Millwall supporter and didn't go and support Charlton because I think that's probably one of the greatest things in life that has happened to you, Nick, to be honest with you. Because to be a <laughs> I think trying, you know, but 
I'll I'll try and think of a good reply to that, John. Um, no, I, I think you're right. Um, it was chance. I mean, it, it was. It, I was thinking about the very same point, funnily enough, earlier on, and it was basically because the 1971-72 season was a rarity in Mill history, and it hinted at success and 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 the possibility of the big time um, we were going to possibly get promoted and up to the first division. And um, so mates in school said, you fancy going to football? And, and um, Millwall were doing well, so it was just sheer chance that that's where yeah. we went. It, it could have it could have as easily, probably more more logically, have been Charlton. Um, but it was just chance that took me to the den, in my case. Um, fun, thank, I mean, thank, uh, thank all for thank that, eh? Hey? Yeah. That's How right. Do you feel? Because I, I, I wanted to ask you about your feelings at the, the first few matches you saw. Because when I took my son to Millwall this season, his first match was just this season, the Blackpool game. Hmm. And I thought, how's he going to react? He, you know, we live in we live it down the south coast now. So we got a train up to London Bridge, jump off at South Bermondsey, immediately met with the wall of obligatory high-vis policemen. Grimacing at us as though we're, you know, some sort of second class something on their shoes. And I thought, yeah. how is this 14 year old react? He loved it. He got it straight away. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, he grew six inches and was bowling along the old Mickey Flanagan bowl, you know. <laughs> and he said, I'm home, you know. I don't know whether he was saying it, but I don't think he was. He looked genuine to me and he just loved it. And, you know, he will not miss a game now. We've been up to. Blackpool way and we've been to all the matches and so how did you feel when you went to your first um, match was it a similar kind of a thing right away it was um I mean I, I my first game was in 72 I've said a few times on shows it was Mill Millwall one Portsmouth nil in 1972 and I I, I think um I mean I, I was from uh, Mottingham council estate but not not from the inner city shall we say and I yeah. think the thing that struck struck me was um, the kind of raw energy of the place. It was it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Um, electric, you know. I mean, we were chasing promotion. So I've got to say to the listeners that, and it was a big crowd that day, one of the biggest I'd ever stand in. Strangely, but um, mm. it was it was it was that sense of raw, unadulterated energy. Um, people screaming abuse at, at the opposition at Millwall yeah. players. Um, there was a, there was, a, I mean, I've said a few times, there's, there's like these kind of, as they seem to me to be faintly grotesque characters from the docks and places like that, they almost yeah. dropped out of a Charles, Charles Dickens show on TV. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, so it was, I think there was, why did I go back was my, probably my, my better question. I mean, I know why I went there because it was, there was a hint of excitement in the air and, and it built towards the, um, the, the Preston 2-0 win at the end of the season, which I was at. Um, but then the following season was quite a damp squib, 72, 73. It was like very much the after the Lord Mayor's Parade, as the saying goes. And yeah. um, it would have been very, very easy not to have bothered, John, to be absolutely honest. It was it, it was it was a journey, you know, it was it was effort was required to come up. But I think I'd probably got the bug. And I think I'd probably once you um and the game that we've picked out to talk about today is Crystal Palace, uh, Mill Free Crystal Palace. Two in seventy four, which again was one of the, one of the early fixtures where it was a big game, um, and you get connected with that sense of it's almost like a hysteria in the air, a mania in the air. You can touch it, you can feel it. It's it's, it's a real thing, 
I think once you've experienced that, and I'm, I don't know about you, boy, but I think once you get a sense of that, um, there's no other game in town for you after that. It's it's the only place, you know. Um, yeah, well, it, I mean, it's interesting for me because, I mean, my you, you spoke about when you started to go with your mates. Mm. I had to go with my mates when I was about 14 or 15, so with me, and I started to go with friends from school. And this was when, if you like, the F Troop treatment, yeah, the high, the high seventies. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was at its absolute height, and I graduated from uh, the stands, mm. uh, which the old Barry Kishner stand behind the dugouts, to the Cold Blow Lane, which is where I go today. Myself. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to talk about those years because they were seminal years in in what happened at Millwall. You had the the hideous nineteen seventy seven Panorama show come out, which none of us recognised. I mean, we were just all supporters, and there was a, you know, there the, the, the police didn't help. I've got to say, hmm. I mean, the police really did not help, and they were agent provocateurs, as far as I could see. They were there to wind us up and get us going. And I remember going away to a Leighton Orient match, um, an evening match. So I think we dropped down to the third division by now. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. We, well, we spent years second, third division, didn't we? You know, and um, yeah, we yeah, shuttling, yeah, yeah, by yeah. Berry, you know, nil one. And I remember what a famous match I went to where we got beat two five by Notts County. Remember it, you know, yeah, remember and, it well. Uh, and you know, we, <laughs> it was, but it didn't really matter, it didn't matter, you know, that that's what people fail to understand. I mean, the Palace matches were fantastic, yeah, you know, the Gordon Hill playing and Posse and all these people, you know. But to me, it was it was about being with my community, feeling you know one of a, a bigger part. Yep. And just the, the term now, without being too prosaic, is visceral. You know, it was yeah, yeah. it was a yeah. very male orientated environment. Yeah. And you swear, and I could swear in front of my dad without getting told <laughs> off. That was <laughs> giddy. <laughs> giddy stuff. Giddy but, stuff. But as soon as he went home, he'd say, Now then, right? That's yeah, enough. Going uh, home, uh, yeah, like, your mother's there. Yeah. I'll kill you. Like, yeah. But at Millwall, I could swear, you know, as much as I wanted to and just go bonkers. And, you know, yeah, it was that release. You know, it was kind of, it's been a tough old week. My dad was a printer. My mum worked in the hospital. You know, they're working all hours of godsends, you know, for. Yeah. Standard wages. We lived in a council flat. Um, I didn't know at the time, but there weren't much money around. You know, there was no, 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 kind of stuff. Dad didn't have a car. I didn't know. You know, I was just happy. Yeah, but I think the release for him as well. You know, to like say the things that he wanted to say. And I think when he was really shouting at opposite that the referee, the referee used to get a lot of stick. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he was really shouting at his boss at work, to be honest with you. I think that's what it was really about. So was that, was that was transference, know? that's called, John? I think it's psychological. Is that tra- called transference? Transference. You, 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 you move your object of your hatred goes onto something else as a, as a, yeah. a, method, of, a method of letting it out safely. Um, I think yeah, and I, and I think, you know, on that basis, we all, we all you know, okay, we lost, you know, uh, yeah. but we were feeling better you know we'd seen our team and we'd had a good old purge sort of community but um i mean yeah i mean you go back to that palace game you mentioned now for me i want to talk about the west ham rivalry because i you know i remember some pretty dim and dark days where two supporters were killed and mm. i remember after 
it's been leafleted by Mill. I've seen I've seen that leaflet. Yeah, I've seen that leaflet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got that leaflet saying meet at New Cross station, we're gonna kill a kill a West Ham supporter in yeah. retaliation for the one that died at Millwall. Also the National Front were about as well. And we had the New Cross fire, which was just up the road from me. Yeah, it was all yeah, coming yeah. on. But I remember this, right? I remember my dad, God rest his soul, getting a a twerp, which is how I can describe him, a National <laughs> Front twerp by the collars outside the old den, getting hold of all his British bulldog or whatever the stupid papers were called, scattering on the road. <laughs> you know, because it was very much at that time, there, you know, it was it was also socialist, Labour voting, uh, trades union, working. Very strong club. in those times, yeah. Very, I've... very strong, very strong. You know, and it's, I'm glad that the, um, you know, we've sort of moved on now. I mean, the political parties are, have changed enormously since then. But it was, but, you know, the National Front got no, um, they, you know, don't talk to me about, um, you know, the National Front at Millwall because they, as far as I could see, um, they were given very little shrift because we came from a multicultural community. A lot of my friends were from, the West Indies and, 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 and you know, Pakistan. Mm. In, Various places, yeah. yeah. There was this. I mean, Phil Walker and Trevor Lee, right, two of the most loved Millwall players I can remember, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know, yeah, all right, there might have been a racist element creeping and all this kind of stuff, but I tell you what, it wasn't where I was standing or it wasn't with my cohorts or no, my parents. It, it, not that certainly wasn't when you wasn't know, when they were scoring the goals, it, John. Either no, that's right. I mean, it was, I, I used to it used to fascinate me coming up. Um, my my station, I got off was New Cross, and there was always a bloke standing there, um, black black guy actually, selling um, a paper called Newsline, which I think was, um, it, was, it, was it was either Trotskyite or it was so, socialist worker or socialist worker, something yeah. of that ilk. And you, so you could walk yeah. past him trying to sell you Newsline. And then if, if the National Front were about, then you could also pick up the opposite spec, end of the spectrum when you got to the ground, if you wanted it. I mean, most of us were just there to watch the football, weren't we? I mean, I get I, I used to buy the programme. That was it for me. That, 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 that did me. But it always used to amuse me um, when I became a little bit older and you, you knew what was, um, you know, what, what was what was involved on both ends of, you, of, of the do spectrum. You think that, do you think that certain elements were trying to you know i don't know get some sort of street cred by recruiting milk because the Millwall supporters i know had no time for the national front or the socialist worker no you no know, but, but neither neither watching a football match you know <laughs> thinking about bills and thinking about beer and uh <laughs> yeah i i i think football's always been seen and, and it continues to be to this day to be seen as a um, a vehicle for people to get get others to to think in whichever way they want them to think, and I mean it, it can be good, it can be yeah. bad, it can, well, whichever perspective you choose to take. And I'm, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna um, say which 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 is which, but I think then probably in a bit more of a crude fashion nowadays, it's all done via the modern social media and TV and and, and all the rest of it. But I think mm. the it's, it's football is still seen as as that um, having that amount of impact. It's such a powerful, powerful um, force in people's lives. Mere fact that you and I are talking now speaks volumes because after what fifty years of following Millwall, um, we're, we're still here. We're still talking about it. So 
Um, not many subjects command that level of power, do they? And I think that's why. Um, I, I think that's why, from many, many different perspectives and political backgrounds, people want football to be what they want it to be, rather than a sport, a pursuit, um, you know, an entertainment, ultimately. I think you're right, and it touches so many chords. I mean, my father was a lifelong Mirror supporter. I've actually, as you can imagine, I bought one of those plaques in the wall, you know. Yeah, yeah, our wall, yeah, yeah. Yeah, our wall, I bought him a plaque there, and um, I'm a granddad. Who Congratulations. Was he was a Scotsman. Yeah. He was a Rangers supporter. And um, see, I was always told, it was news to me that the jam factory started Millwall. It might well have done Morton's jam. Yeah, ca canning factory, it yeah. Was, it yeah. was Scottish dock, dock workers. That's why we had the blue and the salt tyres on the corner flag. And uh, my granddad, who was a Glaswegian, came down from London in the great, you know, sort of drift down to find work and immediately went to Millwall, you know, and yeah, became Millwall's yeah. son, my dad, and then me, and now my son. So, but i tell you what, though, I do want to talk about the current um, football as well. I mean, hmm. I, you know, sort of the 70s, 80s was my regular um, sort of time there. I, obviously, I remember Sheringham Cascarino, and I've reconnected with the club in, in recent years a lot more deeply, especially with my, the passing of my parents, to yeah. kind of reconnect. And one thing that strikes me is I'm not a row-it-out person at all. Mm. I mean, I, I've i got to say, I mean, I've listened to the guy um, give his videos, and, you know, the guy knows about football, man. I mean, he really does. I mean, I, I think he does. And I enjoy watching Millwall. Um, I've seen some sort of, I call it bipolar on my Twitter. Um, <laughs> saw, you know, the euphoria and despair of the bipolar world of Millwall. 50 years we've had it, it's always been like that. It's always been like that. You know, I, I remember some fantastic swashbuckling football, and I've seen football when it looked like a kickabout in the park. Yeah. I'm sure in the, I think it's about 78. I'm sure I saw all the Millwall players trying to get the ball at the same time once. You know, it was <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Achtung, Mehlball. <laughs> I think it's um so but I've got to say though the levels of fitness of players nowadays and the speed and I mean the the QPR match for me I mean I was here with my son that was one of the best Millwall games I've ever seen in a long time like, well it's funny players. I mean Jim just... Wallace what a player he was and I think someone said you know the first and second goals if that was Man City they'd be on a loop on Sky Sports all day well know, it would have been I mean the, the, they, the back... they were like Brazilian goals they were you know the they back... were fantastic goals you know? the back heel that Jed did for the second goal was you know top level I mean genius you know so you know I, I think you're right I mean it was, it was interesting because we were just speaking off air before we started recording listeners that uh, John um, used to go and play football in, in uh, was it Deptford Park, he said, John, wasn't it? Well, basically, yeah, I mean... With, I with, a, with a team. When I kept in the team there, which was the height of my footballing career. It's all downhill after I was 11, because I, <laughs> I went to grammar school and they played with a, they played with this oval ball, and I thought, yeah, right. who gets interested so, in that? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we used to trot round to Deptford Park, I think it used to be on a Thursday or Friday, around about mid-morning, and on the all-weather pitch, which is no longer there, this grass now, the, there was an all-weather gravel pitch where if you did a sliding tackle, you lost half, you lost about 10 hours. <laughs> and um, on there was Barry Kitchener, Brian King, uh, Dave Donaldson, you know, yeah. Phil Sutton. Yeah, very great, great the home squad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, and we'd trot over there and we'd start kicking a ball about with them. And they loved it. And we loved it. We just couldn't <laughs> believe it. You know, we were we were the school next door. My first ever paid job was given to me by Gordon Jago. Right. And Mill was so skint at the time that um, the groundsman's son was in my class. And he said to me, you doing anything in the summer of this? And I said, no. And I, he said, he said come, come to Millwall. He said, There's, you know, you can do some odd jobs. And our first job was to walk behind the lawnmower picking up grass <laughs> with two slates because they couldn't afford <laughs> Basement grass box. I'm not lying. I, you're not, I'm not making this up. You know, this is this is, this is real. This is real life. Yeah. Uh, and um, I remember Gordon Jago giving me fifty p for a week's graft down Millwall. But um, you know, <laughs> great thanks. I want to give it to my mum. But, um, but yeah, that that was the kind of club it was. And I was saying Nick earlier that a few weeks ago I was I was walking with my son uh, round to the Cold Blow Lane and I saw Brian King. Yeah, you know, yeah, it comes over regularly. I just I think, grabbed yeah. him by the end, both yeah. hands. I gave you the sort of, you know, the emotional handshake, one hand on top of the other. I went, Brian, Brian. I said, you know, I'm 56 now and he's an old man. I said, do you remember? Do you remember? I took the penalty against you. Yeah, he said, we use a little fat lad from Monton. I went, not so much of it like that. And he said, we had to chuck you lot off the pitch. You kept, and, and, you know, breaking up our training session. But <laughs> uh, it was great, you know, and and that is why it's a club like no other, and it was that sense of community, camaraderie. The most important thing is that's still with us today, and uh, as far as I can see, that sense of belonging, that sense of you know identity, and yeah. also feeling good. When Millwall win at the Den, it's a you feel good, you know, you smile inside for a week afterwards. I mean, I'm still buzzing from the QPR match. I'm just buzzing from it, you know, <laughs> to see the boys score those sort of goals. And it's like, have that, have that. Absolutely. Have I mean, I, I think that sense of connection, world. that sense of connection you just described so well from, from Deptford Park. I mean, yesterday, I don't yeah. know, I mean, obviously we're all following the shambles of the postponed game up at Blackburn yesterday. 
but on disgraceful. A, absolutely disgraceful. But there was there was a lovely yep. post where one chap had driven up with his boy, three years old, I think, and the team let the, let the, that took dad and the boy on the on the team bus, and they made a fuss yep. for the boy. Um, you know, Danny Mac, um, I think Alex Pierce, um, I can't remember the other player, Jed, I think. All yeah, the, yeah, you know, yeah. the, and this is brilliant. You know, the, the, on the team bus, the boy, I think that my, I think dad was more excited about it than the little three year old boy, to be fair. But, but what a wonderful well, yeah. gesture, John. You know, that's that's it was an, club, I, it? I saw that feed and I retweeted it because against the Bournemouth game this season which I thought was a fantastic performance. We had them tied up in Knott's Bournemouth. And how we didn't win that, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people who sort of have a go at Benekophobi, I know people say, oh, he's, you know, this, that. Oh, I think he's a lovely player, Benekophobi. And he totally rinsed Gary Cahill. He yeah. gave, on the night against Bournemouth, he made Gary Cahill's life a misery. And the, the, goal, the goal he scored was beautiful. But before that game, we got there very early. And, you know, me and my boy spoke to Jed Wallace. He came up yeah. and had a chat with us. You know, uh, Murray Wallace, because I called Jed, I went, oh, he's a superstar. You up for a side <laughs> like that? You know, only at Millwall. He sort of gave me that look and I laughed. And he went, yeah, yeah, I'm up for it. And I said, come and say that to me, son. Uh, the Mount Man Mountain, Murray Wallace. Yeah, you what know, a he's, yeah. Face, yeah. Come and get in their faces tonight, Murray. And it's that. You know, the crowd um, relationship with the club is special at Millwall. And I do think that, I'll tell you what, when we're at the den and when we got our towels up and, you know, the crowd are giving it the old monks chant and yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. we take a beat in any team. I mean, you spoke about the 73-74 Palace match there. The recent Palace match. I mean, oh yeah, you know, yeah. No, we, we, given given the, <laughs> the you know the relative um, difference in values. I mean, whatever worth you want to put on that, but I mean the actual value has taken to assemble that Palace side. You wouldn't have known that they were, however, tens of millions of pounds worth of football talent running because it was equalised. That's that's the beauty of the den. It is the the equaliser, isn't it? It, it? We've seen it with Leicester. We've seen it with Everton. We'd see it if we if we ever did get into the Premier League. It would be essential that we made the maximum out of, out of the den because it is our secret weapon or not so secret weapon as some might might put it mm -hmm. but um no I, I think at our best i mean that connection we've spoken about it and we saw it yesterday that connection with the fans is 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 what is what we is one of the reasons why we keep going back there john isn't it it's it's um it's it's fundamental Shall we shall we talk about this game? Because um, we've 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 gone down some highways and byways of conversation here, listeners. We've done no preparation for this show whatsoever. John just messaged me, so suggesting we do a call, and then I said yes, but I had no notes and got nothing to work with. So I suggested that we look at the YouTube um, game, John, didn't we? Um, Mill three, Crystal Palace two in April seventy four, and it's yeah. I, I mean, I would say to anyone out there, um, especially people who are slightly younger. If you want 1970s Millwall, this, this is brilliant. It's a beautiful sunny day at the Den. Um, Millwall clad in all white, John. I love that kit. I love that all white kit, that early 70s. Um, I was all, that, I mean, that's I, the kit that I, yeah, that's the kit that I was brought up with, that all white, you know, and I remember yeah. I dumpy and people like that. And um, for me, the you know, the standout players, as we mentioned earlier, were, you know, Gordon Hill, Golden Hill. Uh, we yeah. used to call him Merlin the Magician. Yep. That was our moniker for Golden Merlin Hill. the Magician. 
Yeah, what a, what yeah. a player he was. He, he, he was the first player I ever saw do the... It became fashionable, but he could bend the ball um, with the inside of his, you know, of his foot. And that's sort of, you know, how all players tend to play now. They put some, as they say, they put some swaz on it, you know. They, yeah, they, they curl it, yeah. Yeah, In curler. Fact. And he was, you know, he was mustard. But like a lot of players, he was a winger. You know, and I've, and it seems to me, looking through history, you go back to Stanley Matthews, you know, and all these players, you've got to have good wingers. Um, Absolutely. And he he was fantastic. But there are other players as well in that team, which which were just great. I mean, the big one, obviously, is Harry Cripps. And Cripps, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, talking to my father when he was alive, the successes that we had in that, you know, in that sort of early to mid-70s, he was, my dad was a, a big pal of a guy called Len Julians, who was our mm. center forward in the 60s. Now, the reason why he was a friend of his was because Len Julians used to work at the London Evening Standard, because back in those days, players only got the hundred pound a week or something you know it wasn't yeah. Uh, yeah 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 so he was he used to work in the print men julians and i spoke to his daughter uh debbie julians about that and um that team was built on and where i can see the analogies with with rowick's side now believe it or not i know this is poetic license gone mad but <laughs> they it was hard to score against millwall yeah I agree, you know, that, yeah. That yeah, was the first yeah. statement that was made about a Millwall team. It was hard, hard to score against them, you know? Yeah. And um, and I think, you know, a lot of people have a go at Rowett's sort of defensive approach, but we went up to the Coventry match recently. And, up and we set out our stall, you know, it's going to be tough to score against us tonight. And we nicked a goal and came away with a three points. It was just an interesting point of view because the current thinking is... You know, rowet ball, it's, you know, five across the back and CDMs everywhere and all this kind of stuff. But I don't know. The jury's out for me on that, you know. So going back to that yeah, was different because, as you say, sun was shining. And, you know, you had an attacking mill wall there as well, as well as they could defend. You know, Barry Bridges and players like that and Derek Posse, you know, fantastic players, you know, um, oh. playing on all pitches with a heavy ball. You know, and, and producing skills which would not be out of place in today's game, I've got to say, you know. No, I mean, I agree. I mean, the, the Gordon Hill, um, we've mentioned already, he gets, a, I've forgotten the disallowed goal. I remember being feeling a great sense of injustice at this game where there's a late um, spectacular strike disallowed, I think offside, I think. Um, and when, right, you, yeah. when you watch it again, you get that sense of injustice that came back again because... He was a player of talent, listeners. Also, the other goal scorers, Brian Clark opens the scoring for us. It was great. He was a great journeyman striker. I think he'd been around the houses a few times, John Brian Clark, but he was a great servant. I think maybe only for a couple of years he played at the Den, same as Alf Wood, who was the other stri uh, striker who scores in this particular fixture. Um, but these these were men who had done the, the football rounds and... Um, I, strangely, I'm just looking at the the um, the, the video as I'm talking to you. There's, there's uh, I've forgotten that Derek Posse had gone to Palace for this game. He's actually turned out for. I was going to say with Posse in red and Palace blue. Thinking yeah. yeah. Um, and I think originally Posse, if if he had stayed, I think it was Benny Fenton intended for Alf Wood and Derek Posse to be the uh, the partnership, which would have been some strike force if that had come yeah. to pass in seventy two, seventy three. Um, this fixture is um, 73, 74 season, another so-so season. Um, 
it was a funny thing for me, John. I mean, I started going in 71, 72, as we've said, um, which was like the high point, actually. After that, for me, it was pretty much all the way downhill yeah. to relegation. We got, we got promoted in 75, 70. After that, it was misery. I think I had about 15 years of misery, basically, apart from one season. Oh. Um, yeah. But we keep going back, mate, don't we? I mean, there must be some hook. There must be some buzz. There must be something. I don't know what. It's, you know, it is, it's that you know that you're going to run the gamut of emotions when you go yeah. to Millwall to sing. And I think that's the attraction. It's kind of Stockholm syndrome in reverse. <laughs> isn't it? You know, it's kind of, it's the pain and joy. I mean, you know, I, I, I have the same feeling now as a 56-year-old man yeah. that I, when I was a six-year-old boy. When we get a goal scored against us, it's that same hollow kind of it, it's a gut punch yeah i agree, despair, I agree. you know yeah. the, the world is coming to an end and this is just because you know, we're, we're, we're never over dramatic at the day horror that i've descended into only to be released by an equalizing goal you know? i'm sure there's a psychological condition over this but i think you're right well, I, yeah I, I mean you, got, you have yeah you, you you get addicted to it it's you know it's an addiction uh, Millwall, it really is. But once it's with you, it's with you for life. And I used to say to me, old man, I used to say, it was pretty dire, you know, that mid mm. to late seven. Yeah, it was hard times. Poor football. Yeah. Flash, I mean, you know, flashes of good games now and again, but Neil won to Berry and, you know, Preston North End at home and, you know, Tramp Tramp yeah. at home. It was, it was tough. But, you know, it stays with you and you just keep going back. It is an addiction. But I used to say to me, uh, you know, my father at the time, I say, thanks a lot, Dad. Cheers. Why could we support Arsenal? You know? Or Chelsea or something. And I'll tell you what, this is where it's interesting, right? So I went to, uh, I left I left primary school, which was all about Millwall. It was next door to Millwall. We ate, slept and drank Millwall. You know, it was just... Yeah. It, you thought about all the time we was always playing football on the estate you'd, you'd get home from school get your old 99p Winfield uh, black <laughs> and white plastic ball out you know and do banana shots in the, on the estate in the wind the, the wind would blow ball, and that was luxury you know a proper ball and life was football life yeah. was football you know Absolutely. it really was yeah it, it, it just that was the beginning and end of it so but then you 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 Horizons broaden. I went to the local grammar school and there was kids there supporting the Arsenal and Tottenham and all that. And I thought, mm, interesting. Mm. I went to Hot, you know, I went to White Hart Lane. I've never been as bored in my life. <laughs> Weird, isn't it? Weird. You know, I, honestly, um, no. I, you know, stood there and I'm thinking, yeah, oh, that's the clock end, is it? Yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely, lovely. Yeah, this is White Hart Lane. Yeah, great. I saw Stan Bowles flogging some tickets outside of White Hart Lane. <laughs> And Patsy Bolland, I think his name was, another footballer from the 70s. Right. Uh, right, um, right. Uh, he was a ticket tower. And that was the highlight for me. It just didn't, you know, it didn't do what... Wasn't the same. It, no. It just wasn't the same. And, you know, and, um, and, and that's the nature of it. At Millwall, I'm at home. I'm with my, you know, I, I'm, this is going to sound awfully kind of, you know, sort of get a bit soft. Saccharine, saccharine. I'm go with for the it, community, you know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with my people, and yeah. um, there's still good conversations, still plenty of banter, uh, plenty of expletives, but all done in a good way, you know. Yeah. And um, 
it is that's that's me wall, and I love it, and I think the club's doing well. Um, I've, I've you know I've never been happier to be a Millwall supporter. Actually, I'm 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 really positive about things. You know, I am. I'm genuinely positive. I think the club's in a good place. We've got this great chairman who seems to get it as well. Indeed, People indeed. Club afloat. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, what, what's not to like at the moment? We're you know we're we're, we're there or thereabouts. We're not going to get relegated. <laughs> no, I'm happy. It's funny. I'm just uh, as as you're talking. I'm just let the um the video run for the Palace game all those years ago. Was it now fifty odd years ago? Um, yeah. And it's it's interesting. The analogy with Benny Fenton and Gary Rowett. I think you you touched on it earlier on when we were talking. Mm. Um, is interesting because uh, Benny had a, a bit of a reputation of being a dour, defensive minded manager. Yeah. Um, they, they, yeah. They've got the um got the business done first in defence, and then maybe. You scored yeah. a goal, um, and it worked very well for us. So thank God there wasn't social media for Benny. Otherwise, we might have cut short one of our more um, successful and, and you know landmark managers. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. um, but but just watching the, the the game here, I mean, there's been there's some nice moves um, for for a manager that um, had a reputation, John, as a defensive minded man of of his time. Um, we had players that could play. I'm just looking at the first goal. Beautiful move down the left and a chip in for Brian Clark to head home. And it was a really nice move. And, you know, I think sometimes we, we, we mentioned QPR the other night and also in fits and starts, when we've got it going this season, we've actually played some good stuff when, when we've actually clicked. <coughs> and I, th- I think I think, it's a, I think it's an interesting analogy with Rowett and Fenton. I, I wonder... If we do stick with Rowett, as I as, as as I think we probably will do, and he can get the team playing like he did against QPR more often, I think I think success does is is around the corner, you know, because that was one of the best games I've seen in a long time, and that's why we go, that's why we follow the lines, isn't it? For that 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 buzz. Well, yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm just getting the video up on YouTube myself. I had it before, and I saw Gordon Hill score. Did Gordon Hill score a goal right at the end? It's a disallowed um, one. He, he he has a shot. Disallowed one. Spoke about it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm we were three three two up. I think I think it would have been four two. Should have been four two. But you look at the yeah. move. I mean, this is run forward from Crips. So I'm just looking at it at the moment. He pots. I think that's Dougie Alder. I oh, saw so um Hill feeds Alder. Gets a really nice cross oh, what, in. And what, what, what the header? Um, yeah, the header from close. And he, the left, yeah, it's Cripps playing that lovely, lovely, lovely. football. And yeah. um, but you wouldn't have, you know, the reputation of, of of a manager sometimes is a little bit um, cliched. I think people sometimes put them in cartoon style boxes where you are a defensive yeah. manager. That's it. End of. Rather than suiting the opponents at times, I think that's where Gary Rowett perhaps has, um, you know. Uh, it's, full, it's a lovely. Uh, I just out, I think that's Alf Wood has just followed in a, a loop. I mean, people Look can't that. see. What a lovely yeah. You'll have to, you'll have to watch the um, you'll have to watch the video listeners, whereas with John and I talking because we can see it and you can't, but that's the way it goes. But it was a beautiful, persistent follow up. He's a, I used to love Alf yeah. Wood, John. I used to love Alf Wood. He was, yeah. he was rugged and he put his head in where it hurts. And what more do you want from a mule striker than that willingness to? To shed blood for the cause at times, you know. Um, oh, this is the same. Well, what, what those guys had in those days, and I'm going back to like the, you know, those mid seventies team was what they had was commitment. You know, they they committed, and I, and I saw that commitment um, against QPR. The other night, yeah. Said there about Gary Rowett, which is very interesting because you know, number one, will he stay with us? I mean, his family are up in, uh, still up in Derbyshire. Midlands, yeah, 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 yeah. 
you know, and I, I, I don't think he deserves all the flack he gets because I really don't. And because the one worrying part of me, when we went to the Coventry game, I, I mean, I know Alex Pierce comes in for a lot of stick and, you know, mm. he's, he's coming towards his career. But I'll tell you what, he was a lion at mm. that match. I mean, we were there. And that defence was a rock solid, mate. Coventry resorted to taking shots from 30 yards out. You know, they couldn't yeah. get round. Yeah. They couldn't get through us, and they were left taking punts. We went and nicked a goal, and I was so. And, and Alex Pierce come up to the to the supporters at the end, and he was just you could see he was you know fired right up. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The joy yeah. of being an away supporter when we win is just immense, you know. Something else. And yeah. I just thought, well, well done, lads. Brilliant. Yeah. It's interesting the analogy you make there because I think. We went through a dodgy patch where we let in three goals against Bristol City, you know, and yeah, I thought, yeah. what's going on here? We're, we're setting out as a kind of, you know, a team that's hard to score against. And now we're letting in three goals against Bristol City and, and, mm. and we lose Peterborough. And I was thinking, oh, what's going on here? You know, this that that's not good. And I listened to some of your podcasts and I think yeah. the sentiment around social media was the same. Well, we're supposed to be good defensively, but we're, we're letting weak, sloppy goals in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gary Rowett was saying, you know, we can't give away these cheap goals. But we seem to have got over that. And I think Jake Cooper and Sean Hutchinson have kind of come on this season yeah. and, and are playing a bit better. Um, I think Danny McNamara and Billy Mitchell, I mean, I'm fan, you know, I, I like those two. And they're obviously mates. They've obviously got a good relationship with each other. And I think if he plays them on the same side, Billy Mitchell over on the right, they look for each other. And, yeah. you know, I, I think there's a lot of good stuff happening with those relationships on the pitch as well. Mason Bennett is obviously, you know, enjoying himself. And I can see a lot of analogies between the team now and that camaraderie. You know, you, you listen to, or you even go back to like Sharon and Cascarino era, you know, Terry yeah. Moore and all that. Yeah. They, they, had, they had that bond. They had that, you know, that, that, that playing for each other and enjoying each other's company and, and on the football pitch. And as I say, I mean, shoot me down in flames, you'll probably lose next match, you know, nil three at home. But, um, <laughs> We've got Derby midweek. Derby. Really good spots, you know, with Millwall. I'm, I'm really enjoying it, you know. It's great to it's great to hear from you, John. I mean, sometimes on these shows, um, I get, get messages from people and and you know saying how it's uh, you know maybe the show can be a bit downbeat at times. You can only speak about the the uh, match you've just seen, um, but it's nice to be able to maybe redress the positive balance a little bit. So um, I want to I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Um, we've we've gone far and wide in our conversation, but I think that's the nature of following football, isn't it? You know, you, you start off with one thing and you go via uh, many many different locations to get to, a, to get to a conclusion. Well, yeah, I mean that's the nature of it. And just one one person I'd like to name check as well is, is Father Owen Beaumont, the Millwall chaplain. Now, oh, the uh, chaplain, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a memorial service for my mum up at Sugar Key. We scattered her ashes in the Thames. She's an old Bermondsey girl. And right. Father Owen Beaumont did the did the, the service, you know, right. and he walked in with his Millwall holdall and we sat there talking about Millwall and kind of, you know, what it meant. And and I'll share this with you as well. Father Owen Bowman, who's a very posh guy, you know, comes from Oxford. He is. And all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Local vicar in New Cross. For, I remember him when I was a boy. Long time, long time, yeah. A long yeah. time. Seminal character at the club. And yeah. um, 
he was saying, well, the thing is, John, he said, you know, he said, uh, the thing about Millwall is, he said, you know, he said, there was a recent um, headline in, I think it was the Cardiff Echo, three right. arrests at the Millwall game. He said, and all those arrests were Cardiff supporters. He said, you know, really can't stand the media. I think <laughs> it just sums out. I, Fantastic. I mean, that's, and to be honest with you, I know a lot of people say all oh, this reputation. I don't care, to be honest with you. That's part of the joy. You know, it's part of the joy. <laughs> We're a unique club. Call us what you like. We know what we are. And, you know, Nick, thanks ever so much for having me on. I've a... rambled on like a madman. I, I, that's uh, a great way to, to, I just had to reach conclude. Out because I think that there's a, there is so much to be really, really positive about. And uh, all I can say, mate, is come on you lions. Fantastic stuff. John Rankin, really appreciate you taking time out your Sunday afternoon, mate. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, and we'll be back with another edition of Achtung Millwall, I imagine, after the, the Derby midweek game, when we're probably going to get beat after John's positivity. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Till then, Arrivederci Millwall. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Achtung Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky review. Arrivederci Millwall. Till next time. Who do you want to watch? Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.